The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. brother you know so we knew that this was a hostile environment and we knew that he didn't have an opportunity to play so we wanted to come out there had him focus on the court more so than just always focusing on him so they focused on the court tonight and it's hard for you to chant at Ben Simmons when you lose him like that much you know playing for big and this night meaning something to Ben and uh, not only Ben but Dre said when you get traded in this league it's not easy to deal with and pick up your stuff that you've, you know, made a home out of, you know, you're in one city and you have to transfer to another city. It's not always easy. So we try to welcome in. Uh, we've tried to welcome in with open arms. So when we played tonight, we definitely felt like Ben was on our heart. He was on, you could see it, he was wearing it. And, and we just want to go out there and play more and play well. Um, but it, it, like, again, it's not an individual thing for us. We all felt it. We're all there. We all deal. If you come at Ben, you come at us. You come at anyone else in our team. You come at all of us. And that's the mentality. Did we win a championship tonight? No. Uh, no. Did we get to the punch of playoff spot or no? Uh, for you guys on the outside with the whole game situation, just the entertainment aspect of it, I'm sure it was bigger. But for us, we move on to the next one. Um, but tonight was good for us, man. We, we, we got our ass kicked and, um, you know, since I've been here, everything has been, you know, sweet and, and, you know, we've been winning games. And so tonight was good for us and we get an opportunity to come down to reality, um, you know, watch them and just continue to get better and making sure we get in the right strides. Now, I don't think James is the only one to struggle. The whole team struggled. I struggled. Everybody struggled. So uh, we, we win together as a team. We lose together as a team. But I don't think it was just James. I thought it was everybody that struggled. Um, you know, part of it was we didn't space. We didn't move the ball. Um, everybody wanted to win the game. Uh, but we didn't understand you have to play together to win the game. So that's a great lesson for us. Before you get started, before we get started, before you go in, all right, I won't take long. This occurred to me earlier today. I just have to observe and point out this 180, this role reversal, this table turning that has happened between me and you. You know how, especially in today's NBA, with players moving so frequently, a lot of, a lot of young fans aren't necessarily fans of teams, they're fans of players, like LeBron. Right. So if you're a LeBron right, fan, right. you know, you went from being a Heat fan to a Cavs fan to a, a Lakers fan, right? I figured something out about you. 
you are the opposite when it comes to James Harden. So whoever James Harden is facing, you're a fan of that team. So I say that to say this, the 180 I was referring to, lowest of keys, Michael, you have become a Nets fan. No. Like this time last year, but wait, I was only for purposes of hating on Harden. This time last yeah. year, I was Mr. Net and you were Mr. Sixers. Billy, last Billy, night, Billy. I'm with the Sixers and you being on brand, you were with the Nets and I'm sure take, took great pleasure in watching James Harden struggle. <laughs> call it a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. Call it, yeah, yeah. Um, call it confirmation bias. Whatever you want to call it. Today feels like a holiday for Harden haters like Holly. So the floor is yours. Yeah. Holly, the hardened hater, Triple H in full effect. Uh, but I would say this, uh, since it's New York and there's some great venues in New York, the Apollo in Harlem, uh, the Village Vanguard, the Blue Note, all these places, all of these places know the phrase for one night only. For one night only, you got to check it out. So for one night only, yes, I was riding with the Brooklyn Nets only because James Harden was on the other side and I, not just James Harden on the other side, the Ben Simmons there in his, uh, in his Louie, rocking the Louie black and gold uh, was with Brooklyn outside out of Philly. So Jay, I just, I just enjoyed, I enjoyed watching James Harden try to kind of change the conversation after the game. I thought he I thought he would say something after the game. I didn't think he'd say we. We who? What about? Oh, it was good for us. You know, we got our ass kicked. No, 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 no. You got your ass kicked. You, James Harden, got your ass kicked because you weren't ready for the assignment. He wasn't ready for the assignment. Those guys, listen to Kyrie, listen to Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, all of them. That's my dog. Julius Irving. It's like, this not, not even worth my time. As uh, Brandon said earlier, I know they had red bottom hats. But Kyrie knew what it was about. Seth Curry knew what it was about. Kevin Durant knew. Your boy Bruce Brown knew. Everybody knew that this was a little something different. James Harden just doing the Harden thing, just kind of floating along. Hey, it's just a normal game. It's not a normal game. Don't let Kyrie D you up like that. Kyrie, defensive stopper last night, shutting down James Harden into a Ben Simmons like three for 17. No, see, that's not even that's, that's not even funny because it's not even accurate because there's no way it Ben Simmons would have shot it, it 17 times. You don't say when's the last time Ben, you don't when's the last time ben Simmons you don't shot 17 right shots. Oh, I have every you, right to hey. speak. Because no, when I'm it's hearing like, nothing but nonsense, like black when you're just spewing like garbage, when you're, when, like you're, when you're, spit, when you're spewing uh, garbage, uh, uh, there's only so much that uh, I can uh, take. Uh, uh. No, you can't. That's the best. You can't. That's the be best thing you've said. That, that's the best thing you've said so far. No, was you barking like a dog. I, the best thing that was the best I, thing, the best thing, thing I've heard. That happened. That was that was the, the best, best commentary out of your mouth so far. The best thing. Congratulations on a great reference. The lights came on. And you have to sit there and make some excuse about this dynamic duo. No, I'm not making excuses. You kept telling us about I'm not making excuses. Dynamic. There's no excuse. Oh, there's no excuse for three what for seventeen. What an amazing! There's no excuse for three for seventeen. Once duo. upon a time, maybe. Once the upon best a time, Bob Ryan. Once upon a time, Bob Ryan wrote something to the effect. He wrote this about, you know, I remember Leeds. Um, he talked about a pitcher. Like some pitchers are born to 
to take the mound on a getaway day in July. And that was my inspiration for talking about James Harden a few years ago. I said, some guys are just meant to entertain us in February and March, not May and June. And listen, I'm going to speak because, you know, I have to. But generally speaking, no, today ain't my day. Today is the day for the people who believe that you can't trust James Harden in big in big moments. Today is the day for the people who believe well, that, that James Harden is a front. That well, that's, that's what his body of work suggests. Okay, there's there's that's why I started off by saying self-fulfilling prophecy or confirmation bias, whatever you want to call it. That that was it last night. So today is a holiday for hardened haters like yourself. I do want to point out two things. One, they weren't going to go undefeated with James Harden. I never said they'd go undefeated. Um, they were 5-0. and That was their first loss with James Harden. Brooklyn came to play. The Sixers, Why didn't feel led by Why James didn't Harden. I don't know. That's for them to figure out. Thankfully, they're still in third while the Nets are still in playing territory. So as Kevin Durant accurately pointed out, no championships were won or lost last night. However, there is the very real there is the very real possibility that last night could linger. You know, if it's a statement game, it confirmed what a lot of people thought, which is that James Harden still has a lot to prove in the playoffs. Joel Embiid still has a lot to prove in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Nets have the best player in the game, and last night they had the best player on the floor. It's really that simple. You can make last night about James Harden all you want. For me, it was actually more about Kevin Durant. Well, and Kevin Durant, well, it, remember, we, 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 we argued yesterday that. about whether or not. We already knew Kevin Durant. We already knew Kevin Durant was great. So, no, last night was about James that's Harden. That's what I said. You just said. But the reason that's you I just said. pointed it out, you said, you said it's more about Durant. You said it's more about Durant than It was Harden. more about Durant dominating last night. They were plus 34 with Durant on the floor. So, we knew Durant was the best player in the game. And last night, he was but the best was player on the floor. Friggin'. That's why that's why they won the game last night because of Kevin Durant. Sure. Kevin Durant led knew. the way, followed by Kyrie Irving. So when Kevin Durant, we but, argued yesterday about whether or not it was personal between whether it was personal for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I told you it wasn't. It what was do you business. Think now? It, so now I what still, do you think? It still wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. It was business. And they handled right. business. Yeah, like Kevin Durant ain't a killer every night. Kevin, Kevin Durant plays like that every night. Kyrie Irving plays like that every night. The problem is James for the Sixers is James Harden unfortunately plays like that far too often in big games. So the question going forward is simply, is it important enough for James Harden? Is he comfortable being a one time regular season MVP being third on the all time three pointers made list and hanging out with the baby or little baby, whichever baby he was with and and uh, and Travis Scott is that is that is that what he wants his career to be? Because when I say is it's going to linger, when we get into the postseason, the spot, it was already squarely on James Harden. And now this is in the back of their mind. Right. So. Yeah, look, um, obviously, obviously James Harden's not comfortable with that because that's why he's just, he's hopping. He's hopping from team to team trying to find a contender. I don't see how it wasn't personal for the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Kevin Durant's great. Guess Kevin Durant plays great most nights. We know that. Um, but they decided, they decided last night, Vinny Goodwill, they decided last night to show James Harden 
what it takes to play at a high level and to remind him, wait a minute. So you bailed on us because you didn't, oh, you didn't think we would go respond. You thought we were dead for the season. All right, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on that. It's personal. It is personal. James Harden just doesn't get it. Doesn't understand big moments. Didn't do it it's last personal night for you in a regular Vinny, season. just in case you didn't see it yesterday. Okay, it's personal. we had we it's got personal. into this, this this back and forth as if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are losing sleep at night because James Harden decided exactly to, go, to bail and go to Philly. That's exactly what I said, if, Mike. If Great. anything, if anything, hey, listen, all it showed you know the, is that it all it showed is that it, it, yeah. not, it, it, it comes down to James Harden. It comes down to whether or not James James Harden thought that the grass is green on the other side when maybe he, he's the problem. So, Vinny, what was your takeaway from last night? Well, well, before you answer, Vinny, I'll just say, with quoting like that, Mike, you can either be the next Stephen Glass and make it up, or you can be the next Wesley Morris and get it right. Ain't nobody saying they left sleep. They lost sleep over James Hart. That was never said. I never even As if. Okay. As if. Go ahead, Vinny. Last night was about James Harden, and it wasn't even about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or revenge or it being personal. It was about the fact that James Harden keeps coming up short in big games more than any superstar talent this side of Carl Malone. And the fact that Joel Embiid had a co-star who let him down in the game seven, who has let him down repeatedly, be traded for another co-star who's utterly useless when things aren't going his way. Have you guys ever noticed that James Harden does not manufacture good games out of bad games? that he doesn't have a counter to his game win. You know what? This jumper ain't working. I can't figure it out. I'm going to do something else to help this team. He doesn't do that. He's not that guy. And if you're the Philadelphia 76ers and you have built this team to be superstars being their best at all times to help get you through the playoffs, you can't afford to have a bad game from James Harden. That's nothing against Tyrese Maxey or Tobias Harris or anybody else. But your superstars have to be supernovas for you to be able to compete. Now, when James Harden was in Brooklyn, he kind of had that luxury where if Kyrie Irving was available, if Kevin Durant were not hurt, he could have been the third guy and you don't need that much from him every night. And you can go out and party with the baby after a loss or a win and nobody would give a damn. But when y'all showed up, and that Philly crowd wanted blood. In the beginning, they wanted Ben Simmons' blood. At the end of the night, they wanted y'all blood. Now, I mean, it was personal from the standpoint of the Nets have clearly embraced Ben Simmons. Um, so give them credit for that. But no, listen, man, I'll ask a naive question of you, Vinny. Um, and I understand James Harden's body of work, all right? Like I said earlier, they weren't going to go undefeated. And the Nets happen to have the luxury of having both their two superstars and both their two superstars on their game last night. Whereas Harden and Embiid, for that matter, did not play well, nor did Maxi. Nobody played well for Philly, but led by Harden. Harden's a story. I get it. I, sorry if this is naive. Is there time for them to figure it out? You know, do, do, you, do, you, do you, and by that I mean this, I'm not saying Harden becomes a different person. I'm saying in the playoffs, is there something to be said for them still trying to figure out how to play together and come playoff time, especially if a Kyrie Irving, for example, isn't available for home games come playoff time. Could this Sixers team be more in lockstep than they looked last night? It's still six games with James Harden. You understand what I'm saying? Not that he's going to be a different dude than he's been his whole career, 
but can this be a different team than what we saw last night? So wait, you talking about Philly figuring it out or Brooklyn figuring it out? I'm just I'm just trying to make Philadelphia. Sure which, which no, I'm saying Philadelphia. I'm saying I'm saying let's not overreact to last night too much. Last night served to confirm what many people already thought going into that game, especially as it relates to James Harden in big moments. Having said that, Brooke, one of Brooklyn stars is available part time. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. that's six games now with James Harden and the first one that Philly lost. Should we pump the brakes about taking last night and you know, act, act, acting like that's a precursor for the playoffs. Well, Does that make sense? even when even when this trade was made, I swore I went on this here internet with these two hosts and said that I didn't think the Philadelphia 76ers were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Not from a mm-hmm. timing standpoint, but from the fact that I don't know if I love the chemistry and the makeup of this team. So much about playoff basketball is not what you're going to do when you're at your best. It's going to be able about manufacturing things when things aren't working for you. And Joel Embiid, as great as he is last, as great as he is in the hole, when things weren't working well for him last night, in that second half, he went to that three-point line. He didn't venture back inside the paint against Andre Drummond, the guy who he has owned over their careers, even though they became teammates recently. He has had the better of Andre Drummond. Then you have questions about coaching. To me, it's not just about James Harden. It's very easy to point to James Harden like it was very easy to point to Ben Simmons. But there were questions, strategic questions, from a basketball standpoint that come down from the coaching staff and how they were able to handle what Brooklyn was bringing to them. Now, every team in the East is not going to have Kevin Durant being the best player on earth and Kyrie Irving doing the crazy stuff that Kyrie Irving does when he's on the floor and when he's focused. You're absolutely right. And do they have time to figure it out? Yeah, but tell me this. Why would you trust them? What about the Philadelphia 76ers says, you know what? Nothing yet. From, from the coaching staff to the second in command to start playing. Here's my thing about James Harden or about anybody else. Your number two, your number two's main role is to make life easier for your number one. James Harden should be semi to Joel Embiid's Akeem. And for whatever reason, when things ain't working for James Harden, he does, he's not that. He is, uh, he's the guy that's basically saying, next week, they're going to move me to the fries. That's when the big bucks start rolling in. He's yeah. not that guy. When his game isn't working, he's of no use yeah. and help to anyone. You know what? You, you know what? Have any of y'all ever dated a sorority girl? Because I have. And a sorority girl would tell me, she would tell have like this. Him. Tell us about him. They're crazy for one, <laughs> but, but that's a whole nother thing. But she would always say to me, you know, excuses are, are tools of incompetence used by blah, 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 blah. Right. And I feel like it's a saying that that sororities would have in fraternities too, but I would hear from this sorority girl all the time. And she would always say something crazy. And I feel like that's James Harden. Always when something ain't going right, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason and there's never a counter. And for whatever reason, I don't think they're going to figure it out because I don't think he has. He don't got the G. Okay. I don't think he got it in him. It's Brooklyn the favorite. Brooklyn the favorite needs. The favorite to what? Go favorite. to the play-in? To go to the play-in? Nope. They, they, we know they're going to play to, to win. Are they the best team in the East? Despite their no. record, they're the best team in the East. Nope. Is Kyrie okay. Irving playing in Toronto? I'm just curious. Is he going to play in Toronto on the play-in? Or, or, is, or is he going to still be absent for that, that game? Is he playing in home? Is he playing in home games? Playing That's, what I, uh, That's what I'm saying. I, I'm, reluct- I'm reluctant to write off Philadelphia. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll be solo on that. Tonight is, today is not my day. 
But I'm reluctant to write off two dudes that good at the front. I know it's more than just Embiid and Harden, but that was one night, a bad night, but one night nonetheless. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey, they're still celebrating in Los Angeles, and I ain't talking about the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. I'm talking about uh, the overnight AFC West contenders. Uh, now that they have uh, bookend pass rushers and Joey Bosa, and now former Chicago Bear, former at the time Oakland Raider Khalil Mack, who they acquired yesterday for second, a uh, second round pick in this year's draft, sixth round pick in next year's draft. First round pick of NFL information, Jim Trotter from NFL Network. Uh, Jim, like, let's just uh, like kind of encapsulate the Mac trade. That was kind of smooth. Context of that, that was kind of smooth that transition you made. I got Well, you know, I try. Um, but just in in the just in the the entire totality of this week that we saw in the NFL, starting with Rogers staying, but more importantly, the seismic trade of Russell Wilson into the AFC West. Now the Chargers counter with a Khalil Mack acquisition to make Herbert, Mahomes, and Wilson, excuse me, to make Mahomes, Wilson, and Carr's life miserable and Herbert's life better, I beg your pardon. So just kind of your reaction and your thoughts on this uh, Khalil Mack acquisition, the Russell Wilson acquisition in the state of the AFC West in general. Um, I actually thought that this deal was good for both clubs from the standpoint Chicago got out from under Khalil's contract. It's a team that we know is rebuilding. It's not about to win a championship next year khalil's got a lot of money due the next three years and so you would think they would have gotten more value in terms of picks 
But getting out from under that contract was as big for them as the picks that they received. From a Chargers standpoint, you're right. Now you pair Khalil Mack with uh, Joey Bosa, tremendous, you know, edge rushers, both of them. And then you've got Derwin James on the back end. And, and I'll say this to you, Mike, they're not done. They've got a lot of money available under the cap. They understand what market they in, they're in. They understand who won the Super Bowl last year. And mm. let me just say they're not done adding to this team. Uh-oh, you, is that, right, that's, we'll a, oh, that's oh. a I know that's yeah. a I know something. <laughs> hey, hold on. <laughs> but I'm hold not going to spill it yet. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on now. Okay. And, and hockey, and hockey, that's a juicy rebound. Okay, that's a juicy rebound right in front of the net. So I'm going to try to come right. in and, and, and try to get a little closer now. You don't necessarily have to tell me who, but what kind of positions are we talking about? I know they, they signed Mike Williams, big contract. They brought in Khalil Mack. So where are we talking now? Another defensive lineman? I'm just going to say that I, I believe they are going to upgrade that defense even more. Look, you have to understand, we know this. Brandon Staley was like the boy wonder uh, his one season with the L.A. Rams. They're the number one defense in the league. The unit was stout, talented, made plays. And then he comes to the Chargers the following year as the head coach. And that unit ranks near the bottom or was awful against the run and didn't make stops defensively when it needed to. So we know offensively they're loaded. You know, when you talk about Herbert, when you talk about Keenan Allen, talk about Mike Williams, talk about Austin Eckler some of the moves they made on the offensive line even a year ago where they brought in Corey Lindsley and, and, and they drafted uh, Rashawn Slater. I suspect, and I would just say to you, I expect that they are <laughs> going to continue to upgrade that defense this offseason. Well, oh, you, you man, don't have I to love, confirm. I love no, you, you don't have to confirm or deny. You don't have to confirm or deny. But there's a certain linebacker, there's a certain eight-time all-pro, I believe, linebacker uh, who was released from Seattle? Who would look good in a Chargers uniform? Uh, and at that, well, second first level. of all, you, ain't, you, you know, first of same. all, Bobby Wagner would look good in anybody in uniform. any uniform, no doubt. But so, just since you got our mouth watered for some orange juice with the Chargers here, I'm like, okay, like I, my, my wheels turning now. So you know, I, I dig it. I dig it. There, there are other areas for them to go as well. You know, look, if you're going to yeah. play in the AFC West with Mahomes, you know, against Russell Wilson against Carr, you're going to have to be able to cover as well. And there's always that chicken egg question. Does a pass rush make a secondary or does a secondary make a pass rush? Well, what if you have both? Oh, okay. So you're saying J.C. Jackson. I'm, I'm just asking. Gotcha. I'm not saying gotcha. any, I'm not saying anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just saying. With you. I'm just messing with you. I believe they're going trying. to add to this defense. I'm just messing with you. No doubt. Well, okay. This, 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 he would be a great fit. He would be a great no fit. No doubt. But they added to this defense just to get the second part of that. I, I asked you, you know, two part question. That's my mistake. But just the, also since you've had a couple of days, the Russell Wilson acquisition from both perspectives. You know, there's some disagreement about what I think Seattle made out pretty well, all things considered. Michael thinks they're, you know, it was a ridiculous trade on their part. Michael also, if I may speak for him, thinks that Denver is the is the new favorite in the AFC West. Your takeaways from that transaction? I have to side with Mr. Holly here. Look, let, let's say this. Let's look at it objectively. So last year we saw the 49ers give up three number ones and a number two. And I know one of those number ones was a flip-flop, but for an unproven talent, a quarterback in the draft who hadn't even played the previous season. Now you have a, an established pro bowl, all pro potential future hall of fame quarterback that you get basically for the same, if not less 
than what the 49ers gave up to move up to get an unproven talent. We know this is a quarterback-driven league. We know at least half the teams, at least half, and we know it's more, are searching for that proven franchise quarterback, don't have it. And if you're Seattle, I know Russell has a no-trade clause, but you're telling me that's all you could get back for him? Even privately, some in Denver are like, man, we kind of got over here. We're surprised we didn't have to give up more to get him. So from my standpoint, I think that the Broncos made out in that trade. Because here's the thing too, Mike, even if you say that Seattle got a good haul in terms of picks and a few players, the question now is they're still looking for a quarterback. It's a quarterback-driven league. So unless you tell me you believe that um, Drew Locke or Geno um, uh, Smith is the answer at quarterback, I'm saying to you, I don't care how many picks you have, especially looking at Seattle's recent draft record. If you want to go through that, it's not real positive. Um, I'm saying, how is Seattle better? I just don't see it. How, how's uh, last one for you? How's Washington better uh, after oh. uh, trading for Carson Wentz? Shocking deal. Uh, explain that because I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it make sense. I can't. You. You can't. I can't. No, I can't. I can't. I, I'm still wondering. You know, and so privately, Washington says, "Well, other teams were interested in Carson as well." Well, then I would have been like, "Take him." That's how I feel. Take him. You know, there have been two teams that have given up on him now, including one, a head coach and Frank Reich, who thought he could reinvent Carson and get him back to the form he had several years ago. It's not happening. And when you talk to players in the locker room, Carson just does not appear to be that. Look, your quarterback has to be sort of the Pied Piper that everybody wants to follow, that he can lead. Carson Wentz is not that guy based on what we've seen. So unless he undergoes a complete transformation, I just don't see it. And for me, this is just me personally. If I were a GM, I got to have guys who want to compete, you know, who have that attitude like I'm that dog, you know, nobody's better. When I watch how he quit in Philadelphia, the minute he wasn't the guy, to me, that's not a guy I want to get in the foxhole with. And again, I'm just saying that's me. That's my attitude. So Carson Wentz would never be a guy that I would want to go to battle with. Yeah, and we were talking about Bobby Wagner. Um, reportedly, the uh, the Cowboys, another good fit. Dan Quinn uh, has already uh, made the Cowboys have already made contact with Bobby Wagner as well. But uh, I saw what he was. They're saying not alone, Mike. No, of course. They're, oh God, no. Yeah, he's, he's right, right at the top of the list of free agents. No, I'm saying, but you know, those easy dot connecting there. But I saw what he said earlier that he didn't even find out from the Seahawks that he wasn't coming back. And no, to go back to the previous conversation, I'm not saying Seattle's better mm. now than they were with Russell Wilson. I was just saying all things considered, given that he didn't want to be there, they, that relationship had run its course, he had the no trade clause. Yeah, they got a glaring hole at quarterback, of course, but that was pretty as good a package it was probably going to get this year, given that, See, they, I, that he wanted to leave and they wanted him to go. So that's all. Yes. See, I still don't buy that um, because ultimately at the end of the day, even the players who have a no trade clause, the team still holds all the cards because the no team doubt. could say to Russell Wilson, you don't want to be here or either you're going to go where we want to send you, where we get the most value or you can sit out and don't play. I mean, so they, they, they have that control. They and, could have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I'm just saying for a quarterback of that caliber, me personally, I got to come away with more than that. I just got to come away with more than that. 
And the thing about Bobby Wagner, which you said about the tweet he put out, when I saw that, man, I was really disturbed by it. So I texted, you know, someone high up in the Seattle organization and said, is this true? And the person said, no. And I said, well, then explain it to me. And the only response I got is that it was a timing issue. So I don't know what all that means. All I know is that someone in the organization high up is saying that that is not true. I have no reason to doubt Bobby Wagner at all. So I would be fascinated to hear ultimately when these two sides come out about this, what the timeline really was on this, because a player of his stature and everything that he has done for that team and that community deserves to hear about hear about his fate from the organization before he hears about it from anyone else. Bad business. No doubt. Always great to hear from you, Jim Trotter. Appreciate the insight, man. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you guys. All right. All right, Jim. Now, here's the thing. We'll see what happens with Seattle. Um, Speaking of teams deciding to, you know, play hardball with a player who wants out long time ago when Deshaun Watson wanted out just for football reasons. um, There was the Texans said, we're going to trade you where we want to trade you and for what we want to trade you. Uh, And the NFC may make sense when it's all said and done. Maybe Seattle. Who knows? We'd have to wait and see. But meantime, there are much more important issues as it relates to Deshaun Watson. And uh, Charles Robinson is here to break it down. So he's pleading the fifth in his civil uh, disposition today. The grand jury is considering criminal complaints today when it comes to the uh, 22 accusers of sexual misconduct uh, against uh, Deshaun Watson. What are you hearing, Chuck? Yeah, well, so uh, the grand jury actually is hearing um, the facts of the case right now. So basically, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, a little frog in my throat. But basically, the way this goes is the Harris County Prosecutor's Office, they, be, they present uh, evidence as procured by the Houston Police Department. Uh, a few of the 10 women who have brought uh, criminal complaints against Deshaun Watson to the Houston Police Department will be called to testify before a grand jury. And basically, after hearing all the facts, hearing the testimony from one side, by the way, not from Deshaun Watson's camp, but from the the accusers, the grand jury then says, has to vote. Is there enough evidence here uh, for Deshaun Watson to be indicted on a felony count of uh, sexual assault? Uh, I think it would be like a second degree felony count. At that point, if the jury votes, yes, there's enough evidence here, he is then indicted and has to plead to that felony account, um, you know, either guilty or not guilty. And the process of uh, the criminal courts then gets underway, not civil, uh, criminal. But as you said, the civil uh, process is running a parallel path right now. Um, They are not related to each other necessarily in terms of what happens um, inside those uh, rooms themselves. And and he is sitting for a deposition today uh, civilly, but he has been instructed by his lawyer, Rusty Harden, to plead the fifth in all civil depositions until the criminal matter is uh, there's some element of conclusion. From what you can tell, Charles, is the timing of this um, this grand jury hearing where we are right now? Is this fast compared to quote unquote normal cases? Uh, Is it bogged down a bit? I feel like, you know, we as football fans have been watching this for a long time and and honestly everybody's not been watching it for altruistic reasons some people are watching it because we want to know where where Deshaun Watson is going to play next if he's going to be suspended by the NFL how is this timeline compared to a normal person 
So I, I had a chance to talk to um, a, a prosecutor here in Houston, and uh, from what he told me, um, uh, I'm sorry, not a prosecutor, defense attorney. And for what he told me, this is fairly normal for someone, you know, he said, look, the timeline of investigation with Deshaun Watson, he said, so if it's essentially 10, 11 months, the Houston police department has been looking at this. Um, it's not unusual for this to drag on long enough, um, that we're almost a year out and then it gets presented, uh, to the grand jury. He just says it's not really the, the prosecutor's office, um, doesn't dictate the pace of investigation. Although, uh, the prosecutor's office can essentially say, um, you know, to the Houston police department, look, here's what you have brought me. You know, if we bring this to a grand jury, it's, you know, it's likely or unlikely that an indictment is going to come down for this. So it, that can elongate the process, uh, from the police department standpoint. Um, but I, I would suspect that whatever was there to be procured in terms of whatever the alleged evidence is, a year is, is ample time. And I do not expect if, if the grand jury comes back and does not indict uh, Deshaun Watson on this, I think that's kind of the end of the criminal end of it. It's, it's done. And the civil you know, suits themselves will continue on uh, based on you know, if the plaintiffs want to continue forward, if they want to settle, if they want to uh, have their day in court, that will continue on. But uh, this is right now, I think the biggest hurdle for Deshaun Watson and his camp um, is to figure out what the criminal end of this is going to be, if an indictment is going to be handed down or not. And if it's not, if he if he does not get indicted on a felony count, I think Rusty Harden, his attorney, would then turn to the NFL and say, OK, criminal aspect of this is wrapped. Do you want to meet with Deshaun? Do you want to interview with Deshaun uh, for your investigation so we can find out basically what your findings are, your determination, and whether or not he, he's going to be suspended in 2022? And then we'll and then the sweepstakes will presumably begin uh, once we get more clarity on uh, on his legal situation. No shortage of teams uh, in need of a franchise quarterback. Um, as we we got so Monday is the, the legal tampering period starts if it haven't hasn't started okay. already. We'll talk to you again on Monday, uh, Charles. Hopefully, mm -hmm. um, in the meantime, which team pick either one? You don't have to pick both. Which team or perhaps player? Do you have your eye on that you're, that you're kind of hearing the most buzz about that could really open some eyes at the start of free agency when people really come out swinging? Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars are interesting because um, they have a ton of money, most money in the NFL, I believe, under the, the cap right now. And the offensive line is in such a state of disrepair that even, you know, franchise tagging Cam Robinson, um, you still have an opportunity there to make a run at um, – Teron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints is uh, quite possibly going to be the most coveted free agents, uh, free agent out there, aside from like JC Jackson, obviously from the New England Patriots, the, the cornerback. Um, but Armstead is, I mean, he is a true blue franchise uh, tackle. And there are going to be plenty of teams that are interested in that. The reason why I think Jacksonville is so interesting is because they have that first pick in the draft. And if they were to, pursue Armstead, I believe that would be indicative that the first pick is going to end up being Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end out of Michigan. It's possible, it's possible that uh, Jacksonville and Doug Peterson, they just say, you know what, the offensive line's a problem. Let's resolve it. Let's pour every resource we have right now, this offseason, into that, fix it in front of Trevor Lawrence, 
We're going to take a tackle first. We're going to sign an offensive tackle. Um, now, um, uh, Iki Aquanu, the, the kid out of NC State, you could take him first, start him year one at guard. He could play guard. He'd be very good guard. And then if you let Cam Robinson go in a year, then you transition him over to, to a tackle spot. And you sort of add three assets uh, this offseason and, you know, and then kind of adjust as you go. But I, I, I am very curious to see how exactly that proceeds. Uh, you know, another guy who's interesting only because he's made it sort of interesting himself is Von Miller, because I think there's a chance that Von yeah. Miller could go back to Denver and yeah. you're sitting there and you just think, how perfectly has Denver's front office and that general manager, George Payton, played this that he basically he gets draft capital out of von miller for paying his salary he goes and wins his ring but then mm-hmm. von could potentially come back and he went and secured a quarterback in the process of all this right yeah it really is that's, that's, like a, that's a mad move right there <laughs> it's resign a dude that you're trading yeah. <laughs> you're cheating yeah that's the cheat that's yeah. the mad cheat where the the cpu is letting you do things that don't really happen mm-hmm. in the real world <laughs> that's right yeah. that's not fair hey, hey my, my last one is just like a it just kind of just the state of quarterbacking in the league. And we talked to uh, Jim Trotter about this, what, what Washington was doing with Carson Wentz and how yeah. brilliant it was. Chris Ballard to be able to dump the whole salary on him and get yeah. draft picks and, and possibly, get draft picks. Uh, an extra second. But do you sense I know you have a lot of conversations with people uh, with uh, decision making power in the league. Do you get a sense that it's not just we all know quarterback is the most most important position. But teams are just flat out in a panic, scared. Like, hey, don't go in the basement. Uh, the killers go get you down there. Kind of scared. <laughs> like, what? What's? What? What do you? How would you characterize this? The state of general managers looking at this position and coaches. Well, first off, you have to you have to ask yourself and be honest with yourself: Is a quarterback coming to my franchise willingly? Okay, that's a good. Let's if you're going to have the Deshaun Watson conversation, at least in that vein, it's the same as the Russell Wilson conversation. Does he want to be here? You know, um, he has a no trade clause. Deshaun does, just like Russ did. And you know, I I understand what Jim was saying about uh, look. At the end of the day, a team holds the cards, and if they want to play hardball, they can do that. You can. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. It just, it sucks. It's just a bad avenue to go down and it makes, I tend to believe it makes things worse and you become, you you end up damaging the asset you hold even more because once it's clear, it's a, it's a knife fight between you and your starting quarterback teams are not going to be inclined to offer more. They're typically inclined to either be patient and let, let the market come to them or, you know, they'll, they'll back away and, and potentially offer less. And so, um, you know, Cleveland with Baker Mayfield is a good example. Baker Mayfield, um, if, when Cleveland was in the, you know, during the season was sort of exploring, okay, what's the offseason going to look like? Not a lot of quarterbacks are going to go, hey, yeah, trade me to Cleveland. I want to go to Cleveland. It's just, uh, unfortunately, that's a reality. And so certain franchises, you have to either risk, uh, you know, roll the dice on, on a damaged goods quarterback, or you have to find something homegrown and build it like, say, a Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Not a lot of quarterbacks were going to go. Not elite quarterbacks aren't like, hey, sign me up uh, to go play in Cincinnati prior to Joe, Joe Burrow being there. It's the same for Washington. I don't think you're going to find elite level quarterbacks that are like, yeah, sign me up to go there. 
where you know things seem to be such a mess. And I think that's part of why they take the risk that they do on, on Carson Wentz, although I, I think they probably overpaid. They were bidding against themselves um, in that particular situation. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, uh, fill up that notebook over the weekend, man, and let's uh, chop it up again Monday, okay? Definitely. Sounds good, boys. Thank you, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Like, I know picks can't play, but I still just think it's easy to say that the Broncos or the Seahawks could have gotten more for Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson only had one team he wanted to go to. And it's not like Seattle turned down more from somewhere else. So, again, I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill that they made the best of a bad situation. They were destined for the divorce for years now. And with that, we welcome in Ryan Harris, Notre Dame uh, radio analyst, kind enough to join us on his 37th birthday. Thank you for spending some time <laughs> with us, my man. We appreciate it. Um, of course. And we want to start in Denver with you, man. Happy birthday. We want to start in Denver with you because you won a Super Bowl in 2015 protecting Peyton Manning. And now at long last, the Broncos have found a quarterback that they haven't had since Peyton Manning uh, was putting up record numbers uh, in Denver. And you guys won the Super Bowl on the backs of that defense. Um, in 2015. So having said all of that, man, just like you see your Broncos helmet behind you, how over the moon are you that Russell it's Wilson is playing for yeah. the Broncos? It's amazing that, uh, you know, Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. Literally, we got to break the news during our radio, sh my radio show here in Denver, and cars are honking in the streets. We're 12 floors up, and you can just hear cars honking for an hour, you know, just so excited and you know, the same way Pittsburgh needs a, a tough defense to win a championship, right? Or, or you need great receivers at a place like Philadelphia. The Denver Broncos country fans, they really believe you need a dynamic 
franchise quarterback. That's part of the ethos in the same way the defense is for the Steelers. So this is a big piece for the fan base to believe, a fan base that was consistently leaving 10,000 empty seats towards the end of last season in the stadium. This has reinvigorated the entire franchise in just a matter of moments. And a franchise that really, people aren't talking about it, were devastated that it wasn't Aaron Rodgers at first, and then elated about Russell Wilson. And the fact that Russell wants to be here, those are some big things that made a huge difference here in Denver the last few days. Now, uh, Ryan, I've probably gone too far. Uh, I've said that the Broncos are now the favorite in the AFC West. I haven't said they're, they're, they're conference favorites, but divisional favorites. What do they need to do? What do they need to continue to do to make me right on that? They got the franchise quarterback. We know they got some uh, good receivers and good backs. What is this team missing that it, that it needs to address? Two middle linebackers. That's what they need. They need two middle linebackers and a defensive end in the pass rush. And that's the brilliance of George Payton. You do this deal and you still have a second round pick. You still have two fourth round picks, have a third round pick. So you got some, you have some picks to get some quality players and you still need to build. But also one of the things we all know from covering the sport and I know from playing it, when you get a dynamic quarterback like Russell Wilson, well now free agency gets a little cheaper, right? Is a lot, is a middle linebacker in free agency going to take $2 million per year less to play with Russell Wilson um, that's going to be big. And the other thing is just to believe in, in what you don't know. And I mean that because you have the Chiefs who've been to the Super Bowl. You have a relatively young roster, especially offensively for the Denver Broncos with Jerry Judy and others. They don't know what they don't know. Ride with that. Don't try and be the Chiefs. Don't try and be the Chargers. Be where you are. Believe in your success. And that way you can overcome and beat a Kansas City once or twice in a season and let Russell Wilson lead the way. So they get a couple linebackers, they get a defensive end, mm -hmm. and they just keep believing in what they're able to do. I think you're going to be right for a while here, Michael. Well, there's also mm. a certain former Seattle linebacker that, that Michael Holly already said would look good in a Denver uniform following the Pied Piper that is Russell Westbrook. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Bobby Wagner could Wilson. be in Denver's future. I know. Wilson. I know. <laughs> I said Westbrook. Ah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I said so that last week. Michael, Michael, Michael. I had, I had, but I have been doing well. I have been doing. Oh, <laughs> I don't do think it. I did that all week. I didn't. I think Everybody I because I, I was like focused. I was focused to not do it. Wilson, <laughs> um, have said all of that between going to the NBA, between Nikola Jokic, uh, the Broncos. I mean, it's just like I'm sure it's great days on Masters of the Midday, uh, your Denver Sports Talk radio show. It's great days for callers. Uh, there, but before we let you go, man, I want to kind of speed it up if we could because Notre Dame's schedule allowed for you to see not just Notre Dame prospects, but a lot of the top prospects in the, in the, in the draft. So coming off the combine, we'd love to kind of power through as many of these prospects as possible. Let's start at the top where two mock drafts I've seen the last couple of days, I think from the ringer and Sports Illustrated have your man Kyle Hamilton going second to Detroit. Now yeah. he didn't blame. He, he didn't. He didn't. You know, the best forty time at the combine, but the second overall pick does that surprise you? No, it doesn't. And honestly, uh, he could be undervalued at the second pick overall. You know, two oh. years ago, I was talking to an NFL scout before a game. I said, "Hey, we got this safety here. He's probably going to be a top ten pick." The scout laughed at me. He said, "You're insane, Ryan." Came back last year and said, "Ryan, you know, you lied to me last year." I said, "What?" He said, uh, he's going to be a top five pick. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, sideline to sideline speed, unbelievable. I don't care what his 40 time is. 
put on the tape. He is somebody who can cover the field, made a pick this year, literally on the left hash and caught the ball all the way on the right sideline while the ball was in the air, covered all that ground. He hit three players, three of the best players from different teams out of games. They hit the number one receiver for Purdue. He hit him out of the game. Legal hit, too. So you're telling me you got a fast safety that has a nose for the football who knows how to make legal hits that put players out of the game? What more do you want from a second-round pick? Come on, man. You know how Notre Dame guys do, fellas. <laughs> hey, hey, well, you listen. Also, well, you go, ahead, go, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, no, 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 go ahead. No, because I, I, I was going to the next I was play. Go say, ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I was too, because, because uh, you know, because Notre Dame played Cincinnati, and Cincinnati won. Go. That kind Thank of you. vaulted, that vaulted Cincinnati uh, to national prominence. Prominence got them to the college football playoff, and they have some prospects. I keep hearing about Sauce Gardner and how great he looks, and then Desmond Ritter in a in a light quarterback class. So. When you look at Cincinnati's prospects, how do you see them projecting at the next level? I really like Desmond Ritter as one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. Hey, listen, Malik Willis has an arm. He's got some athletic ability, but I saw firsthand Desmond Ritter really controls the game. And one of the things that happens in college is these quarterbacks, you will all see it. They'll look to the sideline and then look back. Well, that's the coach telling them to play, right? You can't do that in the NFL. And one of the things I saw when Notre Dame played Cincinnati is Desmond Ritter's in the biggest game of his life and is still changing plays, making audibles, giving signals, something that you never see in college football. Pro Football Focus also said he's in the 69th percentile and wins above replacement for all the rookie quarterbacks coming in. That's the highest that they gave. So I really like Desmond Ritter and Sauce Gardner. He, he lives up to the nickname. He is he he will cover you like some sauce on some ribs. He is fantastic. Oh, he there wants is. the one on one matchup. And that's somebody who's going to be playing in the NFL for a very long time. OK, with the time we got left, we're going to go gonna go quick here. Just give me give me one sentence or so on these next three prospects that you saw when Notre Dame uh, Face them this year, so you got a chance to see them up close. Jermaine Johnson, the second ACC Defensive Player of the Year, defensive end out of Florida State. A monster. You got to wonder what made him transfer to get to Florida State. Oh, Georgia, but an yeah. absolute monster, huge body, can stop in the runner and can get after the pass rush. I like him a lot. Speaking of uh, speaking of huge, big body Drake London. I think he caught 15 passes against Notre Dame. Uh, the USC wide receiver, I've seen it in the top 10, right around the same range, range as Johnson that we just talked about. He had 15 catches against Notre Dame who had Kyle Hamilton and did everything they could to stop him. London is unbelievable. If he gets to your team or whatever team he goes to, get him in fantasy football right now. He most reminded, he, he reminded me more than any player of Megatron, and I'm not joking. This guy is unbelievable. Wow. Yes. Okay. Ooh, all right. Uh, and that's hard for me Talk to say about a USC guy, fellas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know me, man. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of rivalries, Purdue, George Karlaftis, defensive end out of Purdue. I think he's a good player. I believe that there are better defensive ends there, and that's a player who will probably have a, a seven- to ten-year career. Uh, I, if I'm a GM, I wouldn't put a first-round pick on him, but I do think he's a dynamic player and will be, be in the NFL for a very long time, provided he stays healthy. All right. I'm going to sneak one You're more mentioned. in. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking one more one, real quick, Mike. We've seen him at 32. It's not a great year for quarterbacks. Sam Howell in North Carolina, who you also saw. That was the last guy I wanted to ask you about. 
I love the arm. I I love the moxie, and that stuff goes right out the window when you got a guy like Bobby Wagner throwing his shoulder through your chest, right? So I think Sam Howell's height's a concern for me. He's going to be it's going to be tough to see downfield, uh, and him running around like he did at North Carolina, he's going to get very very hurt very quickly in the NFL. I wouldn't get him in the first, but any of these quarterbacks I think are great value picks in the second or third round. Mike, take Let's go back to where we started. Uh, we started with Kyle Hamilton, and you said all the great things about him. I'm curious. He played in the NFL for a long time, Ryan. Does he remind you of anybody either who was in a league with you or in a league right now before you? Who's, who's, give, me, give me Kyle Ham- Hamilton. Give me a, a comparison. I'll, I'll say no, and that's the best compliment I can give. The first time I saw Ooh. Kyle Hamilton in person, I was standing by the elevator in a team hotel, and the, the the light went out to my side, and I was like, that's strange. Well, I turned, and it was Kyle Hamilton standing next to me blocking the light. There is nobody as physically dominating and imposing. There is nobody with that speed. He still doesn't know how fast he will be. I've never seen a 6'5", 6'6", safety who can cover like a receiver and who wants to hit. Those are some very big intangibles that you can't coach. He's the, he's the total package, and Detroit would be wise at two to get him. And if the Jaguars don't take the best lineman, Icky, Icky Iquanu at number one, fire everybody in the front office. That man's a monster. All right. Spoken hey, like listen, a true man. lineman. True lineman. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it takes a special person to uh, bear the gift of knowledge and give it to us on his birthday. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you. Happy 37th Happy birthday. birthday. Take it easy. Y'all the best, man. Thank you so much. Go Irish. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.